let's bring in Dan Conley from The Athletic, who covers the Orioles. And, uh, Dan, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm good, and I did contact Baltimore County Police. Uh, <laughs> just in case Brittany needs some help. I'm but, sure. Uh, I'm sure as soon as the show is over, they'll be waiting <laughs> by my car. <laughs> gotta, I got to ask you, first of all, you were down uh, in Sarasota. Uh, I know you're not there now, uh, but talk to me a little bit about what you've seen uh, out of the new regime down there and how spring training, at least in the early part, was handled. Yeah, it was definitely different. Craig, there was definitely a different vibe. And if you, you know, you walked around, I, I guess, I mean, I kind of heard about all the athletic, but you know, when, when you were there the last eight or nine years and you saw Buck, you, you always knew where Buck was. He was walking around, he had the fungo bat behind his back. He was in the outfield. He was barking some instructions. You always saw Buck. It was, it was Buck's camp. There's no question there. Uh, when Brandon Hyde, first of all, there's a couple guys who look like Brandon Hyde from far away that are on his staff, Tim Cousins, um, Chris Holt. So from far away, you know, you don't necessarily know it's it's Hyde. And, I mean, he, he just doesn't have the same, like, you know, he's barking at guys. He's, like, running the whole thing. He doesn't – it doesn't look like it is his show. It looks like it's more of, like, kind of a group effort of a show. And I think that that's something that he kind of stressed. Not that Buck didn't try to do that, but Buck just had a bigger-than-life than kind of presence and, and personality to him. Um, and I think that is more relaxing for the players. I don't think that you know that that Buck stressed these guys out necessarily in the spring, but it just had a kind of a different feel. And there's music blaring, you know, we've all written about that and stuff. But it, it, it just kind of had a different feel. But then with all of that, Hyde just kept punctuating that yes, it might be a little bit more relaxed. It might be you know scheduled so you know what you're doing and you're off the field and all that stuff. But he kept stressing the word compete. And I must have heard compete or competition 400 times down there in the couple weeks, two and a half weeks or whatever I was there. And I'm going back another week, and I know we're going to hear it again. It's just been kind of their theme, that they may not win a whole lot of games, but they're going to compete. They're going to compete for jobs within uh, you know, the spring training camp, and they're going to compete when the games are for real. But so I think, I it, think was that, yeah, it was that sense. I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think from a fan standpoint, though, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I don't think fans up here expect this team uh, to be in the division race, but by the same token, they're pretty baseball savvy, and they know that, you, you know, what a good effort is and whether or not the guys on the field are given 100% all the time. So from a fan standpoint, I think that's a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think how many times have we covered bad teams in Baltimore where they've said, man, this team just gave up? 14 well, straight they years. <laughs> right, right, right. They didn't look like they were trying. They didn't look like they were trying in you know, 2007 in, in July or August. And, and part of that is that they weren't very good. And you know, when you're not very good, it looks like you're not trying. But they also weren't very focused. It's hard to focus when your team's, you know, when you're when you stink and you're, you know, you're 100 games back in the lost column or whatever. Um, it's hard to to do that to compete. I don't think that this team last year in August and September gave up. I just think they were terrible, and I mean that's why they got, you know, they got bludgeoned. Um, that said, you do want to see energy, Craig. I mean, you do want to see the players that are trying. You do want to see them. It means something to them to in the major leagues and to to play. And I think. That is there this year. There's no question. I mean, you look around the clubhouse, and there's very few guys that we know well. I mean, there's guys that were up last year a little bit, guys who kind of yo-yoed back and forth. But guys who we actually know well, who you know, who we've dealt with for a couple years in a row, what, there's maybe seven, six, seven of them? I mean, right. you know, it's very few and far between. So, you know, I think that 
they are bringing a certain energy, and there is a certain competition level, and I think that's good. Uh, in terms of who makes this team, there's a split squad today. The first game will be played in Port Charlotte against the Rays. Dylan Bundy's got that start, and then David Hess has the start tonight against the Yankees up in Sarasota, uh, I guess it's 6.05. Uh, but, but in terms of who makes this team, I would think the split doubleheader today would be followed by a few roster decisions uh, since it is a split doubleheader. Yeah, when they use more guys, oftentimes that's the case that they can whittle it down a little bit. And, you know, we're getting a part point in camp where there are going to be, you know, obviously you don't need as many catchers you have in camp right now and, and things like that. So I would imagine that, you know, if, if not, sometimes they the way Walter did, they usually wait the weekend. And then uh, then on Monday, you know, they started up with a new thing, and then he would get rid of a lot of guys on that Monday or, or Sunday night or whatever. Um, he was very conscious of what meal money was like for the for the kids who were just up for, you know, for a couple weeks and stuff. So um, I don't know how this new regime will look at it. But I would imagine cuts are coming fairly soon, you know, some decent amount. But I don't think that this roster is going to be set. And it's why I'm going back for the last week. I don't think this roster is really going to be set until right before they leave for uh, for New York. I mean, I think there are several guys who are, you know, kind of on the bubble. And when I mean several, I mean, gosh, several for every position, it seems like, except for three or four. Plus, you know, they're going to keep looking at the waiver wire and a lot of guys are going to be waived or, you know, it does a for assignment or whatever um, throughout baseball in the next couple, you know, week and, a, week and a half, two weeks or whatever. So, you know, they did that with Dwight Smith yesterday, got him, you know, for, for international slot bonuses. And they're going to continue to, to look at that kind of stuff. Guys who don't fit somewhere else's roster but could fit on theirs. Um, so it, this is going to be battles all the way through. But to make one of your points, you know, I, I think David has tonight. I think this is a big start for him. Obviously, the Yankees will have a lot of uh, – um, you know, regulars in that lineup. And I think that Hess, it's his position to lose, in my estimation. He doesn't look at it that way. He looks like he's fighting it. But I think that, you know, the fourth or fifth spot, he should be able to claim one of those if he can pitch well. I was going to say, you got Bundy, you got Kashner and Cobb, and how do you see four and five playing out? You know, David Hess, obviously, you just said. But how, how do you see the rest of that playing out? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jeffrey Ramirez is in that mix. Um, Nate Carnes is in that mix, although I think that the sense is, <clears throat> even when they when they sign Nate Carnes, that he may not be ready to be a starter, you know, in April. And with some um, of the physical issues, with some right. of the physical issues, they're going to probably have to stretch him out to, for that to happen anyhow. Exactly, exactly. So I would imagine that he's going to end up being, um, if he is, you know, if he starts the season healthy, um, and not on the disabled list, I would imagine he'd be like a long guy in the uh, in the pen. And, and one of the things, Craig, you know this, you know the uh, oftentimes that fifth starter doesn't come into play until mid-April anyway. Right. <clears throat> so that's a situation where they may go with four. I didn't do the exact math. I know it's a kind of screwed up in the beginning of the uh, um, you know with days off and stuff before after the Orioles opener and and the home opener. And, I mean the uh, road opener in New York to start the season. There's a bunch of days off and stuff there, so I don't know how it's configured completely. But I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't really use a fifth start until you know April 10, 15, something like that. So that can let it go. And Brandon Brandon Hyde did not dismiss the idea of a opener, um, you know, a, a pitcher to come in, a relief pitcher to come in and pitch one or two innings in that fifth spot. Um, I think it depends in his mind on really what they have for that fifth spot. If they think they have somebody who can seize it, you know, one of the most interesting things in camp, and we, you know stop me if you've heard this before, is Mike Wright's pitching well. And Mike well, Wright is one of those guys, you know, you just, that 
talent's there, and he tantalizes you with that, and then it gets to the season, and then he has some struggles, and you know it goes back and forth. But I mean, you know, we're getting to the point where it is, is Fisher cut bait with him, and you know he he spent the entire season in the majors last year, had some good moments, had some not so good moments. Um, but I think he's in, the, you know, he's making himself in the mix. I don't think he's given up a run yet in his appearances. Um, so he's in the mix there. Hess is in the mix. Ramirez is in the mix. Uh, John Means, I would think, is outside looking in. But he, you know, he's pitched, you know, okay, so pretty well so far. Um, so I think there's a lot of guys that are fighting for that fourth and fifth spot. We're talking with Dan Conley, the athletic who covers the Orioles, and uh, you know, I think one of the most intriguing things too is the outfield for this club because I think we can pretty much agree that Trey Mancini is going to be your left fielder. But then, you know, Brandon Hyde turns around about four or five days ago and says, well, nothing's set in stone with Cedric Mullins. And and, and then you look at with Mullins along with Austin Hayes and uh, Usniel Diaz along with Eric Young Jr. I mean, like you said, competition – is one of the key words, and it looks like that's going to probably go right down the wire. Yeah, I would think, although if I were a betting man, I would, I would put Mullins in that 25-man roster. Um, I think he did enough last year. I think he's got, you know, I think defensively in center field um, and also what he can do a little bit on the base pass and with the bat, I would imagine that, that he makes this team, and I would imagine he's probably the starting day center fielder, um, the opening day center fielder. But, I, you know, I mean, it, it is up in the air. I mean, you know, we look at this guy as a veteran because he's had three months in the big leagues track versus, you know, some of these other guys who have almost no time. Right. Um, you know, Austin Hayes is coming back from injury, and Austin Hayes needs, I think, to show that he can hit. I mean, you know, we we look at the ankle injury and we think, well, that really, you know, derailed Austin Hayes' 2018. But frankly, he was not hitting at all at double-A Bowie. He was striking out a ton before he got to that point. So I think that they probably want to look, take a look at him you know, in the minors and, and have him graduate and come up. There's no reason to rush Austin Hayes at this point. Um, this really is what is going into his fourth professional season, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's no reason to rush him. There's no reason to, to rush any of these guys. It's a reason, you, you know, it, it's one of the, the ways that you go out and you get an Eric Young or you get a Dwight Smith or you get somebody, you know, who's played a little bit that you're giving more time to. And Joey Rickard is still there. I mean, it's not a guy you can really forget. He's on the 40-man roster. T.J. Stewart is out there. And Anthony um, and Santander, think, yeah. And, and Anthony Santander, you know, is having a real good camp. And I could see Anthony Santander breaking with this team because he has spent some time in the minors. And, you know, and I, I think, that, you know, he's a former Rule 5 pick that has spent a lot of time in the majors. But last year, he spent all but, what, 14 days, wherever it was, in the minors. And so, I mean, I think he's a guy that they're really looking toward. And, he, you know, he really hit the heck out of the ball. The other thing with all of this, is Mark Trumbo. Right. Because if Mark Trumbo's not, you know, if he's not healthy, then you have a real good reason to bring Trey Mancini out of left field and put him at a combination of DH and first base. You know, have Davis at DH sometimes, have Mancini play first base sometimes. Kind of have them in a mix of first base and DH if Trumbo's not healthy to, to start. And that opens up left field for DJ Stewart or for Anthony Santander or for whomever. So, again, it's so fluid. It's funny. I was going to write a piece about, like, what the, the – competition looks like but it's so that really hasn't changed much since you know the pitchers and catchers reported there's uh there's so many different names out there floating and again you know Dwight Smith could be come running in here in the you know the next week or two yeah infield wise uh shortstop very interesting on this ball club uh and and the decisions that they have to make uh take me through that along with 
what happens now with trying to get Chris Davis healthy again and seeing whether or not he can try to rekindle a little bit of what he had in the past? Well, let's start with that first. I mean, he's your first baseman. He's going to be given every opportunity to you know do 2015 again. And I know that frustrates fans. That frustrates you know even some of his teammates last year. But he's going to get the opportunity. You know, he's got all that money. I mean, 23 million dollars or whatever it is, and you know per year. And I mean, he is he's going to be playing. And you know, they're hoping that he can figure it out. And you know, he's got already started with a good relationship with Don Long, the new hitting coach. But you know, it's all up to Chris Davis. I mean, there's nothing anybody else can do but Chris Davis. And and it's hard for me to believe that the guy is going to be going to bat 168 again. Um, but be, oh, not because of Chris Davis, just because it's really hard to be that bad and get that many at bats. Yeah. Um, so so you know, you got to think that there's got to be something else above that. This guy has been a successful major leaguer, and not that long ago. But he hasn't proved it in two and a half years. So basically, I mean, I think he's going to get, you know, he has a leash and he is going to get an opportunity to continue to try to get back to, like you said, back to his, his previous form, at least for the first couple months this year. So first base is set there. Now, obviously, he was dealing with a little bit of a hip issue. He hasn't hit at all since, you know, he's got one home run and I think he's like nine strikeouts or seven strikeouts or like that. Right. But he has uh, been on the shelf a little bit because of <clears throat> some, some kind of soreness. Uh, hip soreness and such. He's got an MRI kind of waiting in on that, but um, they don't believe that that's too serious. I believe it's a precautionary situation. So um, <clears throat> if healthy, he's your first baseman. And then Jonathan VR is your starting middle infielder. Yeah. You, <laughs> um, you, don't, you just don't know base, where, right? Right. Right. Whether it's second base or shortstop. Um, right now, it looks like it might be second base. And because, first of all, they sign up, he's Escobar to a minor league deal, and he's a veteran who's played shortstop, and that's been a Gold Gloves uh, winner and shortstop. And then really the talk of camp, and we didn't even mention it, you and I, when we were talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about center field, is you know the Orioles have two Rule 5 guys who both are considered shortstops in Richie Martin and Drew Jackson. I wrote a big mm-hmm. piece on them in the Rule 5 in the Athletic this week. But Drew Jackson can play center field and play it well. So he's another option. And, and having Drew Jackson on the team is like having an infielder and outfielder together. Um, the question is, will he hit? And he's hit so far in the minors. I mean, I'm sorry, in the spring. And so, you know, he's certainly making a push to be one of these guys here. And, and as of two days ago, I think the two of them combined, Martin and Jackson, were batting 400 uh, this spring in 40 at-bats. So they definitely are, are opening eyes. Martin's looked really good defensively. Um, you know, he can do a lot of things when his game is on. I don't know how much you know about him, Craig, but he had uh, he's a former first-rounder at University of Florida, did not hit in the minors, actually had an eye test, got contacts, and last year actually hit for the first time, really hit <clears throat> hit about 300 or so. so well, he's, in know, three, he's in 391 right now in the spring. Right, uh, right. So, I mean, so those two guys, I think, are, are making a push, and I think Alcides Escobar, as a minor league signee, it doesn't necessarily have to make this team. Um, so if Martin and Jackson both play well, I think they're going to both make it because, you know, one's 25 and, and Martin's 24 and, you know, the Orioles don't have this kind of middle infield talent. So they're going to want to hold on to these guys if they can. So I think if they continue to hit, it would be a surprise if both full five guys don't make it. And possibly, you know, Richie Martin could be starting on opening day. Now, just psychologically, you may want – VR starting at shortstop on opening day, and then you know Martin playing second base. But Martin is a traditional shortstop, so I think that's the set. And then third base again, another position that that's up in the air. Um, I would imagine it's probably right now potentially a, a uh, 
platoon between um, Rio Ruiz and Renato Nunez. Right. Nunez played pretty well last year for the Orioles while he was up. Defensively, it's not his strength at third base. Um, he's trying to work on that. Um, it's a lefty-righty situation, so you could imagine that they could be a, uh, a platoon there. Steve Wilkerson brought eight gloves to camp. He's going to do whatever they <laughs> ask him to do to, uh, you know, to try and make this team. Um, and he can play a little bit of outfield. He even, you know, he, he said he'll, he'll catch if he has to. So, I mean, you know, there's still that competition there for third base. And then if you want me to keep going, Craig, the catcher situation. Again, I was just going to ask you about that uh, with wins and also Cisco. Yeah, I mean, you know, this one is is maybe not as intriguing as Rule 5 because of the whole will they send them back thing, but it's probably the second most intriguing battle um, because really the only two guys in the 40-man roster are two guys who barely have any playing time at all, don't even have a full year's playing time, playing service in the majors, and that's Wins and Cisco. Um, last year, Cisco had a great spring. They rushed him to the majors, and it really fell apart both offensively and defensively for him. He went down to AAA and didn't really rekindle what had made him, you know, one of the top 60 prospects in the game. Um, he's got a new outlook. Uh, he was hitting the, you know, the heck out of the ball. He had four home runs to basically in the first week of spring. Um, so he maybe pushed himself back to it. You know, wins is a steady defensive kind of guy who's got a little pop. They went and they signed Hazel Sucre, and then Sucre had all kinds of visa problems. Just got into uh, the United States last Thursday right. and played in his first game. So he's a veteran. He's 30. He's been six major league seasons. So he was kind of a guy you thought it was maybe Sucre, one of the young guys. But he's got to show that he's already back and, and able to, you know, to make this team. Um, Perez is another guy who's there. And then one of the most intriguing guys in camp is the Czech, uh, Martin Cervenka. And, I mean, this guy, I don't know if you've seen him, Craig, but this guy looks like a major league catcher. <laughs> he's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he's strapping. He's um, he looks like this is something he could do, and, and, and you know he's only been a double A, but he's really impressed the Orioles. So I mean I think he just has no shot of making the team, but I mean I think it's still <clears throat> Perez, Sucre, and the two young guys. Well, so with uh, Cervenka, it's a small sample size, but he has a homer, three RBI. Uh, so they, do they like his bat as well? Yeah, I mean, well, well, I guess initially they really like the overall package and specifically what he can do defensively. Okay. Um, but, he, but he can also, he can hit, and there's no question he can hit. And it's funny because I talked to Tim Cousins, um, who said he was, like, kind of eyeing him up a couple years ago in the Indians organization. And then, like, when he when Cousins came over to take the job with Hyde, he's like, oh, my God, we have Cervenka? <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, he really, there's a lot of, of – people who really think that he really think highly of him and he was not taken in the rule five draft because he is pretty raw and so the Orioles kind of can keep him on a minor league deal again um because he would have been a six-year free agent and uh so he can stick around a little bit and he's, he's an interesting story you know i mean he's like there's almost nobody playing baseball in the czech republic he was he was seen to went to a uh, camp in in italy that was run by major league baseball and the indians signed him out of that but he's an impressive guy person he speaks several languages uh pitchers like throwing to him so he's definitely got to keep on the radar as the season progresses but he's not a guy i don't think that's got a chance i wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the, the, the ones that go backward um go to minor league camp sometime the next week we're talking with dan Connolly. uh our last few minutes with dan uh from the athletic covers the orioles uh very quickly going back to both davis and trumbo with Trumbo and his injury, and they were hoping maybe the end of this week they could get him into the lineup and, and see what where he is and that kind of thing. 
And, of course, with Davis trying to get back and, and, and reprove himself again, if they can get anything out of these two guys going forward, that would really behoove this team because it sets themselves up for being moved sometime before the deadline. And the Orioles could get something in return. I will say absolutely and not at all Yeah, in, in my two parts of that. Because Chris Davis's contract is... Well, not, yeah, we know that. It's just not. And, you know, no matter what he does... Um, no team is going to take a, a chance on that, on that contract after three months, after half a season. Are, are they going to eventually um, have to eat that thing? Well, if he doesn't perform, yes. I mean, if he continues, I mean, you know, the thing is, people say, well, he hasn't performed in any of those first three years. You know, uh, certainly not the, the, with, for the money. But it's a seven-year deal. There's mm-hmm. about $100 million more sitting on this deal. Um, that's a lot of money to eat. So what they're hoping is they can get a good year or a good two years out of them, even a good year Maybe some team says, okay, you, you meet us halfway with the money because we could use him or whatever. He's still usable. But he turns 33 in a week. And so, you know, the concern with a seven-year, $161 million deal, Craig, and I know you, I mean, you covered this team when it, when it was happening, that, you know, what's going to happen in his last couple of years? I you know. know. Will, his, will, will there be a drop-off? Well, goodness gracious, the drop-off came as soon as he picked up the bat in 2016. And so, you know, you're looking at him now, and he's 33, he'll be 33, and, you know, you can't project that he's suddenly going to be batting 275 with 35 bombs in the sixth and seventh years of this deal. So teams are not going to be that interested in Chris Davis. And it's going to be a situation that it really is, for him to perform, that's going to have to help the Orioles overall. And, you know, but I don't really see a future, certainly not in the next three months, of him being dealt. On the flip side is Trumbo. And I would say Trumbo, in my opinion, is the most important player for the Orioles right now. Maybe Andrew Kashner, maybe Alex Cobb. But for me, the most important is Mark Trumbo because Mark Trumbo is a free agent at the end of the year. Because Mark Trumbo, when he can play like Mark Trumbo and when the knee's not bothering him and he is, you know, 100%, he's a guy that teams will, you know, covet that bat in, the, uh, in July, August, September, um, specifically American League teams, who, right. you know, who will look at him as a DH. But he can also play first base. You know, he hasn't played first base in a while and it's been kind of dismissed. He was a, an, an average defensive first baseman. He doesn't hurt you at first base. Right field, a little bit of a different story. But first base, I think he can play. So maybe a National League team would take a, a chance on him as a first baseman and a uh, you know a guy a bat off the bench. But really an American League team. He fits well for that. Great attitude. Works with the young guys. Um, will be due, I think, $13.5 million this year. So you're talking 6 or $7 million for the last final two months of the uh, contract. The Orioles probably be willing to pick up some of that depending on what kind of prospect they could get back so if you're building for the future and you want to build you know your overall inventory of talent craig um the best trade chip for you is a really good mark trumbo right um, and again cashier could be the same way everyone's always looking for arms Cobb, but Cobb has you know two and a half years more attached to him after you know july so you know he's got to, have to pitch really well to, to kind of justify that money but you know cashier and and Trumbo are simply guys that are rentals for two months who are veterans who can come in and help. And so I think that he's an exceptionally important guy. And I think that he could, like you said, I mean, he could mean a lot if, you know, if he's healthy and if he stays up. Last thing before I let you go, and that's uh, Harper and Machado, signed, sealed, and delivered now. Quickly, your thoughts on each of them. Well, my first thought is that's a lot of years for both <laughs> of these gentlemen. And um, you know, and, and these contracts, even at 26, you know, 
But it's good work if you can get it. <laughs> it's great work if you can get it. And I, I mean, I think that Manny Machado landed in the perfect place for him because I feared for Manny if he was going to be in a in a town that really was scrutinizing every move. Um, Manny is one of those guys you have to appreciate the overall package and you have to kind of dismiss some of the stupid things he does, some of the lazy things he does, and look at the overall big picture because he can really be a difference maker with his glove and his bat, but you've got to kind of take it all. A place like Philadelphia, for instance, or New York or mm-hmm. Boston, they don't take the whole thing. They, they, it's, it's game by game for them. It's, it's what you do today and what you did yesterday. And I'm not sure how Manny would have done that. Manny has never had... Um, his own fans boo him. He doesn't mind being booed by other fans. He thinks it's kind of a, a rite of passage. Uh, you know, he, he feels good about it in the sense that they don't like him. But he's never been booed by his own fans, and you know, or, or, or certainly not lustily. And I think that would happen if he pulls like some of the stuff he did in Baltimore and Los Angeles in a place like Philadelphia. I think it's perfect for him. I mean, Bryce Harper, as far as production. I can't imagine a better place for him. He's in a really good lineup. Oh, and he and ra- really he, he rakes oh, in that ballpark. Yeah, so I expect a steady, solid, good year for Manny Machado this year. I expect Bryce Harper to just laugh at the competition. And I could be wrong on that, but, I mean, I, I don't see why Bryce Harper shouldn't be, if he is healthy, shouldn't be energized and an MVP candidate. Yeah, but how, um, how programmed was Bryce in that press conference when, when he slipped right. and said – they just want to bring a title back to DC, <laughs> right? I know. I mean, that's you know, and and I, you know, we always joke about the uh, the Boris guys being programmed, and you know, yeah. we used to joke with about Matt Weeders every you know press conference Matt Weeders did early. It was like you know, Cyborg six seven two three B. You know, he was right. just saying whatever the cliches had to come out of him were programmed into him, and I think Bryce got caught up in that and mentioned DC. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think. People have asked me who I'd rather have, and I think I'd rather have Manny Machado because of the defense and because of all the things that he can bring overall. Um, but I think for the situation, I think the next couple years, the Bryce Harper landing spot is great for him. I think these kind of contracts can be crippling, especially for a team like San Diego that's not necessarily putting a lot of money into their uh, you know, payroll. So you put that much money into one guy and he gets hurt, that can really hurt. Um, but, I mean, you know, God bless him. I mean, those guys got you know, really good players. Six years, um, you know, basically making, you know, uh, certainly not the minimum after the first three years, but not hitting the, the jackpot because of the way that the structure is. And now having that chance to hit that jackpot once and to hit it the way they did for, you know, 10 or 13 years and 300 plus million. Well, Dan, That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. Well, Dan Conley, the athletic, I uh, appreciate the time uh, this morning as we fly solo while Stan is down in uh, Sarasota. And do you know he went to a hockey game last night? I didn't know they had hockey in Sarasota. Well, they have it in, in <laughs> they have it in South Florida, yeah. and they also have it in Tampa. Yeah. So, right, we'll right, have to wait right. and see, well, we'll have to wait and see which one he went to. Okay, all right, pal. You all right, yep. Yourself. Thanks a lot, Dan yep. Connolly of the yep. Athletic.